with DP, a weekly podcast talking about high school and college sports right here in Central Illinois. I'll discuss what I saw in the past week, what's coming up on Channel 1450, and what we're looking forward to. Episode number 40 is here. Thank you all for listening and following along. I hate hearing myself talk, but it's been good to be able to try and let you guys know what's coming up on Channel 1450 and talk to some great people here in Central Illinois in the process. Speaking of Central Illinois... Who better to partner with Northwestern Mutual, the financial company that you can rely on and is the sponsor of this podcast. Northwestern Mutual is looking for college interns for this summer, so contact Northwestern Mutual, check out their website or their Facebook page to learn more information. Now, let's talk about what I saw in the past week. On Thursday, got to see Glenwood Soccer, and again, they dominated. They did give up their first goal of the season in the final minute of that game. But it is what it is. The Titans are really good at soccer. Friday was a very cold and windy CSA doubleheader. Springfield High gets two wins against Rochester at UIS. I like what I see offensively from the Senators. It's a very dangerous lineup. One through about six or seven. The pitching will certainly come along, especially as the weather starts to warm up. All these guys getting quality experience early on. Those Senators will be dangerous. Rochester is a team that can certainly sneak up on you if you don't take them seriously. On Saturday... Got my first look at Glenwood Baseball. Granted, it was against Southeast, and that didn't go great. 23 runs in the first inning as the Spartans struggled to get an out. And let me get on a real quick tangent here. Looking at a few of the conference scores this week, what are we doing? SHG beats Eisenhower 42 to nothing in baseball. Yeah, that's a that's the football score. Last week, Jacksonville beat Eisenhower 28 to nothing or something like that. I mean, what what's what are we really doing here? We have a running clock in football that gets used all too often in the CSA. We have a running clock in basketball that gets used way too much. In baseball, in 35 degree weather in March, it just doesn't make any sense to have these kids out there in games like that. I'm all for kids learning life lessons and don't don't get me wrong by saying, you know, they shouldn't be playing games if they're if it's not fair competition. If you're getting beat that bad, you just need to learn to respond. But I also worry about kids getting hurt on both sides in these situations. It doesn't benefit anyone to have games like these. So I think coaches need to step in and just call it when it gets out of hand like that. Someone is going to get hurt. Also, if Eisenhower can't compete in 9 of the 14 sports or 12 of the 14 sports in the Central State 8, at what point is there a conversation about getting them out of the conference? Especially when Lincoln is coming in next year and an 11-team conference makes zero sense and creates scheduling nightmares. Okay, stepping off the soapbox now. On Monday night, I got to see Pleasant Plains girls soccer against Jacksonville. Plains soccer is a co-op with New Berlin, and I can tell you one thing. They are very, very good. Greg Bryan is a fantastic coach who doesn't get nearly enough credit or recognition out there. They have a great mix of girls who've been playing there for a few years, like Kylie Garrett in the back, but a majority of their serious talent and firepower are underclassmen. Their goalie is a sophomore, their star forward is a freshman, and they are loaded with really good soccer players. But I walked away from the Cardinals 7-1 win over their Central State 8 opponent that night from Jacksonville thinking about the potential for freshman Ella Wilcoxon, who is averaging about three goals per game so far this year, and it could certainly be more. Remember the name and keep an eye on her. This girl is super, super talented. On Tuesday, we got a nice freezing cold and windy CS8 baseball battle at Robin Roberts between Springfield High and Glenwood. I wish these games were played in better conditions, but that's what happens when the IHSA has baseball season start at the beginning of March. It was the first look at Parker Detmers this season, and he's without a doubt one of the best pitchers in the conference, one of the best players in the conference. Leave him off whatever list you want. Parker Detmers 
is legit. Springfield High had a great chance to still win that game, and they almost did. But the Glenwood Bats, especially the Springfield transfer, sophomore Crew Erickson came up big time, time and time again. He's really fun to see swing the bat, and you can tell his family bloodline certainly helped. Erickson powers the offense. Detmer settled in after a couple rough innings to start, and then Eli Curtis impressed with a strong two innings of work with five strikeouts to shut the door. He'll fit in very nicely with the loggers next season. Glenwood gets game one. We'll hopefully have game two on Friday in Chatham for that series. That leaves me talking to what's coming up on Channel 1450. With the forecast being pretty crappy for Thursday, let's just talk about what's scheduled and what we planned on getting. Things could obviously change based on cancellations and games being moved. We plan to get some Auburn and Williamsville at Rochester track on Thursday. We also plan to get Auburn at Williamsville soccer. Washington is at Glenwood soccer at 6 o'clock. Also on tap, SHG at Quincy and Rochester at Muhammad Soccer. On Friday, like I mentioned, the Glenwood-Springfield baseball game was moved to Friday. That's a 4.30 first pitch at Bob Erickson Field. Rochester at Jacksonville baseball is also Friday. That's at the Champions Sports Complex. That's a 7.30 late night start. Also Friday, Normal West at SHG Baseball. Clinton at Mount Pulaski Baseball. Haven't seen the Hilltoppers yet. Coming off their trip to state last season, so interested to see what they have this year. On Saturday, we've got a few things coming. Springfield High Track is hosting a big event. We also got the Porta Slam Softball Tournament. So hopefully the weather holds and we can get the following items in. At the Porta Slam, a few of the teams there playing softball. Porta, Williamsville, Tri-City, Auburn, Lanfear, Rochester, Olympia, QND, New Berlin, and many, many more. So hopefully we get a few highlights from that one on Saturday. Saturday night, I'll be busy watching my Kansas Jayhawks play in the Final Four in New Orleans. Rock Chalk Jayhawk, hopefully. We get North Carolina in the final on Monday. And speaking of Monday, that will depend on if KU plays or not, which games we'll be getting to, because if KU's playing, I will not be covering any games on Monday night. The big one in the Central State on Monday is SHG at Springfield High Girls Soccer. As of right now, that's scheduled for 4.30 varsity start. Also Monday, Glenwood at SHG Tennis, Plains at Williamsville Soccer, and Auburn at Tri-City Softball. So, some pretty good games on Monday. On Tuesday, here we go. Watch out, because... This is the busiest day of the spring so far. Just a friendly reminder, we still only have two full-time employees and one part-time, so we can get to basically three games on busy days like this. The CS8 will take precedence, will take priority on Tuesday when it's Glenwood hosting U-High on Tuesday. That's number one versus number two in our preseason power rankings. Obviously, our preseason power rankings don't mean anything, but I don't think anyone would argue that Glenwood and U-High are two of the top teams in the conference. Also Tuesday, Rochester at SHG Baseball and Jacksonville at Springfield Baseball. Those are all huge games as early in the season, so that will be what we're getting. Also on Tuesday, just to keep an eye on, Sagamo Baseball and Softball get underway. Conference play gets started. Moroa at Porta, Auburn at Athens, North Mac at Plains, Riverton at Williamsville, Lanai Central at New Berlin. All those Sagamo games, softball, baseball, so that's great. All on the exact day, same same exact day, next Tuesday. Super. Next Wednesday will be the second of those CS8 series games. So Glenwood is at U-High. That's a 6 o'clock start. SHG's at Rochester and Springfield's at Jacksonville Baseball. We will also be getting U-High at Glenwood Softball on Wednesday, a very busy Tuesday and Wednesday next week. Let's hope the weather doesn't affect too much, but it probably will. That's the schedule for this week. And next week and what we'll be getting now let's get to this week's guest thanks to northwestern mutual this week's guest is paul packelhofer you may hear him in the mornings if you turn on 1450 a.m 
or 92.3 FM from 6 to 9 a.m. He's on AM Springfield. Paul Packelhofer holding down the boards for Greg and Sam. You may also see him announcing basketball games at the city tournament, and you can certainly catch him umpiring baseball games all across Central Illinois this spring. Here's our conversation with Paulie. Here we go, another episode of The Download with DP. It's episode 40, and this week we got Paul Packelhofer. Um, he's always in the office with me, so I figured this was a good time since we're recording this on Wednesday and it's nice and rainy, and <laughs> we probably won't have any games tonight. Um, but, Paul, you had a big game last night, so first of all, thanks for joining me. Uh, did you get any sleep after that two-and-a-half-hour game last uh, According night? to my Fitbit, I got about four-and-a-half hours, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, I got a little bit of sleep. Um, the, the first look for you at Parker Detmers this year, so let's start there. Um, he's probably, if not the best pitcher, one of two or three in the conference coming into this year. So um, it's obviously highly anticipated coming into that game, what you kind of expect from a kid like that. Number one, I knew, I knew he threw hard. I knew his ball had movement. Um, but to me, you know, as compared to what I saw last year, his breaking ball has gotten better. Yeah. That is just an absolutely wicked breaking ball. And as they continue, he's what, only a junior? Mm-hmm. And as he continues to get older and get experience, and once he gets out of high school and they get a hold of him at college, uh, I think he's got a good chance of doing something in professional baseball. And you saw what his brother's breaking ball looked like, so that oh, yeah. certainly might yeah. help a little saw bit. Saw his brother, <laughs> saw the Matons, you know, I, yeah, I, yeah. Um, so coming into a game like that, when you know it's going to be cold and you know what to expect from both teams, you know Springfield's going to take their time, uh, you know Glenwood's going to be patient, um, what did you kind of expect going into last night's game? Pretty much the way it unfolded. I didn't think it would take as long as, as what it did. Uh, I knew the conditions were going to be absolutely horrendous, which, which is what they were. Uh, I was surprised, you know, with the wind, I thought there might be, you know, it, it had the possibility w- with the weather condition to be a air-filled game, and it, did, it really didn't turn out that way. Um, but it went pr- pretty much the same. Uh, I looked at uh, uh, the box score this morning. Greg Hallblide supplied me with the box score and uh, looked at the number 282 pitches in that <laughs> ball game, which is just what I wanted to do for my first game behind the plate to start the season. Um, going into the game, um, you have your partner who you're used to being with for a very long time. Talk about kind of your relationship and what do you guys kind of prepare for in a game like last night? Well, Bob Engel and I, uh, we graduated from high school the same year, and so I've known him since 1974. And He was partnered up with Brad Stearns, and when Brad went into retirement, he asked me, so you want to partner with me? Well, Bob and I had worked games, you know, years ago and and so I said yeah absolutely so it's great having a a partner where you know we communicate to a certain extent but we know where each of us is going to be at a given time Mm -hmm. you know you know we still give you know the signs as far as covering what uh, we're supposed to cover out there but uh, it's nice having a regular partner that you know you can depend on and know that he's going to be there uh, going into last night's game, the only thing we, we really went over was, you know, the factor of the win. You know, we have to wait on pop-ups, especially for an infield fly and things of that nature. But that really didn't have an effect on uh, any of uh, our calls last night. You mentioned the, the comfort level. And when you have a kid like Parker Detmers who radar guns will clock him at upper 80s, maybe 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also know... Who the lower catcher is, and Will Plattner is a very talented catcher. How much does that help in your comfort level when you're behind the plate? And you know, I mean, 
like it was last night. Detmers can be a little wild in that first inning when the when the emotions are that high. Yeah, and a catcher. There are there are basketball games that make officials look bad, and there's baseball games that make the umpires look bad. And we, it, it, our job back there behind the plate gets extremely difficult when you've got a pitcher or pitchers throwing the ball everywhere, and then a pitch comes in and it's close, and you call it a ball, and, and, and then you hear it. But it's just a natural human tendency. You know, you're just more or less lulled to sleep. Mm-hmm. But that's where you have to have the mental toughness kick in, saying, okay, don't let your timing get too fast. You know, wait for the pitch to come in and don't, don't anticipate. Um, especially w- with someone that throws hard and has the uh, repertoire of pitches like, like Detmers has. At what point in your umpiring career did you get comfortable with those you know 90 mile an hour fastballs coming at you i i really i really haven't been uncomfortable i mean it's just something that something that i learned i mean uh, i i I can't i I can't tell you dp it's just something that i I grew accustomed to the the first time i saw it saw a fast one was wow and and it's just after that you get used to it so last night in the game um we kind of get into it where, I mean, they're scoring a run, couple runs every inning. Um, at what point do you kind of know, okay, this is just going to be a long game. i got to settle in and not expect, you know, three up, three down. Oh, I, after the first inning. I yeah. said, okay, we're going to have one of these games again. So, With last night's game, uh, you know it's Glenwood, you know it's Springfield. Um, what's your relationship like with the coaches and how much communication do you have with them before the game and during the game? Oh, I, I talked to, I didn't see uh, Jim Steinworth, the Springfield high coach, before the game, but I did talk to uh, Casey uh, when, when he came in from Glenwood. I said, the last time I was out here with you two teams, we were out here for nine innings and all night. Yeah. I said, let's not do that again. Well, we almost did. <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, you know, I think I've got a good relationship. Of course, Jim Steinworth and I go back uh, to when he started coaching. That's how, that shows you how long I've been around. <laughs> And uh, Casey, I've known, I've known the Ericsons for most of my life, and I've got a good relationship. A lot of times with, with coaches and, and even players, a lot of times, you know, they don't want to complain and argue. They, they just want an explanation, you know, and they wanted a couple of explanations on pitches last night, which is par for the course. Mm-hmm. It's just something you expect. I mean, it's not going to do them any good to argue with an umpire. I don't, at what point does that, I mean, coaches have to realize that, and I don't think people understand like when a coach comes to talk to you that's probably the case most of the time is they're not trying to argue or yell they just want to have a conversation to exactly. make sure that it's you know back and forth both ways yeah and there are some coaches that'll use that to try to fire up their team and I, I had one coach tell me one time I'm out here because there's a board member in the stands and I need to you know act like I'm doing my job so that's fine has anyone asked to be ejected no in all my years, I have never ejected a head baseball coach in high school. Yeah. In high school. Assistants, yeah, but never a head coach. At what point do you have kind of that relationship with all those coaches where you just say, okay, that's enough? Have you ever had to, like, kind of say, you know, oh, yeah. All right, we got we to yeah. cut this. Yeah, I, I've told them before. I said, you know, this, this is what I saw, and this is what I called why I did it. Mm-hmm. And his and they'll counter with something else, and you let it go on a little bit, and then once they start repeating themselves, and I say, okay, you know, I've explained everything to you. Okay, we're going to have to agree to disagree and get this game moving along. They may not like it, mm-hmm. but you know, there comes a point where you got to get going and get the game continued. 
last night in the seventh inning, you take one off the helmet. What what's the feeling like when you have to do that? When especially when it's that cold. Oh, it's uh, you know I didn't mind getting hit earlier in the game. Guy fouled one off my uh, chest protector, hit the plastic. I didn't even feel that one, but uh-huh. that one was uh, yeah. I don't. Don't don't like those. I don't like those. <laughs> those at all. probably don't. You don't get used to those. No, either. those you don't get used to. Going back to last year, you mentioned you did that sectional game, and those were two. We knew it at that point in the year, but you're playing for a sectional title. You're a pretty good team. Um, but what did you come away from that game thinking in terms of where Springfield High could go? Well, I knew they had a lot of pitching. His pitching depth last year was just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but after the sectional, I'm thinking, you know, what have you got left for the super sectional? So that that was that was my question because I didn't know how how deep he was or who he had held back with the way the pitching regulations are now. So, you know, they they had they had a great team last year, and it was it was just I was just fortunate to to be out there on the field for a great high school baseball game there in that sectional championship. And you've seen a lot of very good teams in this area and in the Central State 8 throughout your career but for them to win a state title what did that mean for kind of this area? I think this area as far as the state is concerned I think people you know you talk about the Chicago I think they're aware of it I think they just underrated a lot but hey this area of Central Illinois has produced a lot of professional baseball players and, and you know you got Jason Worth you got the two Maytons up there uh, Detmers with the Angels I mean they produce a lot of major league players for an area this size you've seen a lot of games where Jim Steinwart was on the losing end of a 10 nothing game for him to win a state title what did that mean kind of just for your relationship oh I was I was I was glad he won it I mean uh, Jim's been around a long time and uh, I, I have the utmost respect for Jim Steinwert, and uh, I was glad that you know the conference and the city and the school you know won, won a state title and brought it back to Central Illinois. Um, not only was it a special year for Springfield and for SHG to make it to state, but for you personally, I want to talk a little bit about last year for you to get the chance to umpire at state. What did that mean to you? Well, <laughs> means I've been around a long time. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it, it, it was fun. I, I got an inkling that I might be, you know, it might be my turn to, to get up there. And then uh, what was interesting, I, I get up there for the third place game and I get SHG and U High. And <laughs> you know, I'm there. This is a conference game. Yeah. And uh, then the championship game was Tutopolis and uh, a private school out of the Chicago area. I can't remember who it was. And that was a 10 run game. And that was, so it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was fun. What's that process like as you learn? Um, I mean, because like you said, you did the sectional game. At what point do you learn that you're going to be doing state games and what kind of goes through your head? I think that I had, I, I knew that I was close because I was going to do a 1A super sectional out at uh, out of Lincoln Land. And uh, I had already told been told to keep that weekend open. So mm-hmm. that, that told me right there that I was going to go. And, and last year because of the covid even though I worked a majority of, of 3A, 4A games, uh, they were going to have me do the 1A, 2A state uh, state finals just because it was up in Bloomington and closer for me. So, For the longevity of what you've done, how special is it? I mean, it, how different is those games, and what does that mean to you? Uh, well, it, it means a culmination of what I've strived to do since, since I got into this many, many years ago. Um, you know, it, it's an honor. It's it's fun. 
uh, it's still a baseball game. I, I'm, I go out there and I make the same calls that I do during the regular season. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the old, it's a way of thinking. You know, a game is a game is a game. You know, um, a strike is a strike, a ball is an out, an out. So, so really, nothing changes in that regard. It's just more magnified. You know, there's more, there's more people interested in it. And is it something that I mean? You don't umpire for the attention. You don't umpire for <laughs> the money or anything. So to definitely get, not the to money. get the chance to do it at state is is something that I mean is probably something that you were looking forward to. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been looking forward to it for a long time because you know when when I started umpiring, you know there there was a gap of about ten twelve years because I, I did it from from eighty one to eighty nine and then got hurt in 89 and then I didn't start up till about uh, in the 2000s so there was a pretty good gap there but I am coming up on 30 years and um, it, it, it was a goal of mine it was a goal do you mind sharing that story of what happened and why oh uh, back in 89 I tore up my knee for the first time okay how'd that happen uh, I was doing a college game up in Lincoln and I was working the bases all of my knee injuries occurred on the bases not one behind the plate yeah. and I come in did the pivot and tore, tore something, and that was back in '89 before they had all the surgical stuff they've got now. Yeah. And the surgery, I was on crutches and all this other stuff, so I didn't do anything. And then uh, talking to Brad Sturz and Bob Mingo, we need umpires. You want to come back? So that's when I started back again. And two or three knee surgeries later, I'm still still <laughs> doing it. So you said you started in '81. Why why get into that? Well, I started earlier than that. I started back in uh, 1976 was my first okay. full year doing uh, doing high school baseball. Why? Uh, something I always wanted to do because I was a volunteer when my brother played Little League. And I thought, you know, this, this is pretty cool. You see the game, you make some calls. You know, I didn't care. Even back then, I didn't care about fans or anything. You know? yeah. So um, I, I enjoyed it and said, well, let's see how far I can go with this. Where did your love of baseball start or come from? Where did where did what? Did you where did your love of baseball start? Where did it come from? You know, it, it's hard to say. Um, you know, mom and dad. You know, I'm I'm I was born in Springfield, Missouri. Mom and dad are both from Springfield, Missouri, and that's pretty much the heart of Cardinal country down yeah. there. And uh, you know, just watching the Cardinals and just just love to watch baseball. Did you play growing up? Wasn't I couldn't hit, couldn't field. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> So at what point did you kind of learn the rules and were like, hey, this is something that, I mean, I can be good at? In, in high school, and not high school, but uh, in 76 when I really got into high school, you'd have to pass the test from the IHSA. And, you know, I had advanced on the way up and everything. And I wanted to get in professional baseball. So in uh, 76, in that January, I went down to an umpire school in St. Petersburg, Florida, and that's where I learned positioning and, and everything else, and that was that was eye-opening. So I came back and worked every game I could in 77 and 78. And in 78, I made this, okay, I think I'm ready to give pro ball a shot. And so I went down to uh, Harry Wendelstead's umpire school down in Daytona Beach, Florida, which is a terrible place to be in January. <laughs> As we sit here yeah. in the rain and cold yeah, right ter- now. <laughs> terrible down there. And... Uh, so I went to their course, and uh, I ended up graduating fourth in a class of 88, and I was sent to the advanced school in Bradenton, Florida, a few weeks later. And out of all the umpire camps, 
back then. There was an umpire school. There were two umpire schools in Florida and one out in California. So probably 300, 300 men, uh, 13 or 14 got jobs. Wow. And I was fortunate enough. I went to spring training out in Arizona. Uh, they assigned me to the Oakland uh, A's camp in Scottsdale. Another great weather yeah, situation. Yeah, te- te- terrible to be out there in, in that in that weather. And uh, I had been out late. You know, all the games are in the afternoon, so I had been out late with uh, the rest of the crew. And I was asleep. My phone rang, and it was Barney Deary, who was a minor league supervisor of umpires. And he says, uh, "We got a change for you." I said, "Uh oh." He said, "No, this is good." He said, "You're going to go to the Western Carolinas League." Okay, fine. Where the hell's that? <laughs> So he told me, and we got everything set up, and uh, I went out to Western Carolina's league uh, later that year and started my career in professional baseball. You mentioned it a little bit, so if you want to tell a story, please do. But um, what's that like to, to be umpiring at a young age like that and then in the professional league, like you mentioned, being able to kind of enjoy yourself at night and, and have some fun? What is, what is that situation like? What's the environment like? Well, it's it's a different environment. Uh, first of all, the pay back then was terrible. I uh, got to remember this is seventy nine and eighty. We got it, it equated to thirty three dollars and thirty three cents a day is what they paid us. And, <laughs> and we you had one game or multiple one one game okay. a day, and we had to pay our own hotels. <laughs> Motel six was very good to us yeah. back then because you probably eight, crammed a couple guys into one. It was eight ninety five, and you only used two umpires. Yeah. And you were signed with the guy for the whole year. Okay, and. One of you had to have a car, and they would pay him a pittance for mileage. <laughs> but, you know, you'd be in a town for three days and three or four days, and then you'd leave and go to another town. But, you know, you only worked you worked the ball games. Back then, minor league games were quicker. I mean, two, yeah. two and a half hours was a long ball game. Uh, so then you got the night to kind of just... Well, uh, are you talking regular season? Yeah, either one. Yeah, re- regular season you play at night, so, you know... After you get out of the ballpark, say ten o'clock or whatever, you go and find something to eat. And learn to love Waffle House because back then that was <laughs> the only thing open twenty four yeah. hours. And uh, you know, then you'd sleep till noon and have a lunch. And get, you're supposed to be at the ballpark an hour before the ball game, and so you're working three four hours a day. That's that's it. That's a interesting life for. I mean, not many people get to experience that. So um, oh, it is fun. Just. You probably build a lot of relationships too. Where I mean, like you said, you're you're with a, a a guy most of the day or most of the night. To where, yeah, you have a job to do, but then you have the rest of the time to kind of talk about what you're doing and what you're experiencing. Yeah, uh, my second year, they changed the name of the league, South Atlantic League. I worked with a guy by the name of Danny Deshays. Now he was under he was under contract to the National League at one time after after I had uh, after I had left professional baseball. But Danny was from Livermore Falls, Maine. And he had that main accent, but I'll tell you what, he was a blast to work with. I mean, we, we, had, we had a lot of fun. And it was, it, working with him is a lot like working with Bob Eagle. We never had to worry about where one of us was supposed to be because we knew that he'd be there. So in that time, this is in the 70s, you're working your way into the kind of the bigger leagues. What are some of the players and, and managers that you kind of came across? In 1980, uh, Greensboro, North Carolina uh, Farm Club had a kid by the name of Don Mattingly, 18 years old. He only hit 363 that year. Yeah. 
And I didn't know the guy could talk. I called a strike on him one time, and he, he turned around and said, that get the corner? And I thought, oh, my gosh, he speaks. <laughs> I said, yeah, I got it. But, you know, he you knew he was going to be good. And yeah. the Cardinals had a reliever uh, by the name of Jim Gott. And uh, he had he had had control issues in the past, and they had sent him from double-A down to try to find his stuff. And he, he ended up being a pretty good reliever, I think, for the Pirates in the big leagues. But he threw at 95. And he had a slider that would just roll off the table. And they brought him in relief one time. He pitched seven and a third innings and fan 15. I'll never forget that yeah. night. He yeah. was he was unhittable that night. So at that time, it's obviously a little bit different than now with social media and with the Internet. Oh, yeah. Um, so how did you kind of learn about the players? I mean, did you know once they kind of come up, do you know who's coming out like – how do you kind of learn who the good people are, or is it just kind of word of mouth? It's word of mouth, and it's your experience with uh, uh, with dealing with, with the managers and coaches and the players. I mean, it, it, it all gets down to, I, I think, personalities uh, in professional baseball. Uh, there was one manager I got along great with, and he hated my partner. So... You know, I never did figure that out. They yeah. just—it was like oil and water. Uh-huh. And and there was a manager that I didn't like that he got along great with my partner. So, yeah. how different was baseball back then? You mentioned—I mean, being able to throw ninety-five, you know that guy's going to be legit. But um, I feel like nowadays in the minors, it's a little bit different than it was back then. Oh, they don't—they didn't throw as hard as they do now. Now we have high school kids. Ninety-five <laughs> was the tops back then. That yeah. was—that was fantastic back then. But. You know the players are bigger, stronger, faster. They they keep you know, getting bigger, stronger, faster. I mean, it, uh, the the batters uh, are a lot more patient now than, than what they were back then. Um, and I've always said, you know, I've always had the philosophy, especially if I work the play. I want to call strikes. I mean, come up there and swing the bat. Why why go up there if you're not going to swing the bat? Yeah. And, you know, you want more action in baseball, make the strike zone bigger. Make them swing the bat. Simple as that. So the transition then, you you mentioned you, you get that call and you go out there. How long were you out there? And kind of bring us to how you ended up in Springfield and, and now you're doing these games. Well, I was... After uh, after the 1980 season, that was that was a reset the the recession year. I couldn't find a job in the off season, and the the only thing I got paid was when I was working. Now I, I was told by Barney Deary, the minor league umpire supervisor, I was supposed to go to the Double A Texas League. And I'm there, and I can't find I can't find a job. So I said, you know, I can't I can't do this yeah. anymore. So you know, I I, re- I resigned, and uh, I didn't do anything in '81. And then in '82, I started back umpiring high school and college ball again, and did that till '89. Is that here in Springfield? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then I got hurt again, and you know, didn't get back until the 2000. So how'd you end up in Springfield? My dad worked for Ozark Airlines. Okay, and he started out as a ticket agent with them down in Springfield, Missouri. Then he took a, uh, a promotion. We went to Des Moines, Iowa. We were there for six months. He took another promotion to Dubuque, Iowa. We were there three and a half years, and I love Dubuque, Iowa. That's a neat town. And then in the summer of 64, we moved down here. So I was I was born in 56, so I was pretty much raised here in, yeah. in Springfield, Illinois. So then what was what was the draw to come back here after, you know, you, you said you tried to go to Texas for a while? Uh, 
uh, I didn't go to Texas. You know, that's a league I was supposed to go yeah. to, but you know, I was always based here and stayed here. So you know, after I got out of uh, professional baseball, I, I looked for a job, and finally I caught on in '81 with the state of Illinois, and put in almost 31 years before I retired from that. So. And now, <laughs> jumping forward to what you do now, not only do you umpire games, um, but you're up every morning um, with with Sam, which is a whole other <laughs> situation. That, that, that's a whole, that's a whole other interview, DP. <laughs> that is a whole other interview. But I, I just want to tie it into you know the timing of like last night. You don't get done with that game until about seven. You got to go eat dinner, and then what time do you go to bed? Because I know you're up at what time? Two thirty in the morning. Yeah, I usually get here about. 3.30, 4 o'clock to get sports and stuff taken care of for the morning show and the other stations. Uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a short night. Usually I go to bed uh, 7.30, 8 o'clock, yeah. somewhere around there. Last night it was a little after 9 because my wife's out of town and there's a little doggy at home that needed some attention, <laughs> so I had to show him a little love last night before I went to bed. Um, for me, a lot of times with, with games and stuff, you know, you'll you get your work done and then you'll just kind of, you know, you'll still have the, the game adrenaline. Do you still get that? Yeah, there's times where I have to, where I have to unwind, unwind a little bit. Yeah. Last night I didn't have to because no. I was I was really just trying I was to warm really, up. <laughs> I was really tired. I was cold, and I needed needed to warm up. Um, and I know we've talked about it off air before, but um, you are a lover of great beers, so that's got to also help a little bit after a game. Kind of just sit down and enjoy Yingling or something like that. I, I love my craft beer. I mean, <laughs> I went to the refrigerator the other night and opened it, and oh, I forgot I had this. You know, there's I have a wide variety because I have some friends that, that bring me craft beer from time to time, uh-huh. and I wish I would have wish we would have had that back in '79 and '80 when I was in pro ball. Because, but then again, we wouldn't have been able to afford it. All we could drink back then was Old Milwaukee because <laughs> it was cheap. Yeah, how much was a beer at after a game there? I mean, oh boy, well. After every game in professional baseball, they, they gave us two beers and two hot dogs apiece. Okay. That, okay. That <laughs> to, to this day, I have trouble eating hot dogs. Yeah, because, I you know, I lost weight in, in professional baseball because, number one, they don't, they don't, have, they don't pay anything. And uh, I just got sick and tired of eating hot dogs. <laughs> so, yeah, probably the beer is the best part. Beer, beer was the best part after a game, yeah. Um, so I kind of want to get into, we've talked about how long you've umpired. Um, how much longer do you want to do it? I have a timeline in mind. Uh-huh. Uh, and I have not shared that, that with anybody. Uh, that's okay. I, and I, I tell Bobby Engel, and, and Bobby Bobby and I have talked, and we both, we're both we both on a year-to-year basis. Yeah. At, at the end of the year, we'll evaluate. But uh, I, I, I do have something in mind, and I have not shared it even with my wife. I haven't shared it with anybody. Because how hard is it? I mean, it's it can't be – it doesn't get easier by any means. No, it doesn't get easier. And, and what, we, what we tell – uh, what well, we tell the people at our at our baseball clinics for the umpires, you know, every year we get one year older. These kids are the same age, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. So you're they losing, get bigger and stronger. They're faster. getting bigger, stronger, faster. <laughs> and as as you get older, you know, when you're out in the field or what have you, you learn steps come at a premium. So you learn to cut corners so you can be there a little bit quicker or, or whatever because you're not going to outrun these kids. Uh-huh. And uh, there probably it, wasn't many high school kids like Parker Demers back, back in the then. 80s. No, back in the no, back in the seventies and eighties. No, there were not. Um, so how do you kind of learn to, to make sure to cut those corners, but also still do your job? I mean, that's 
Obviously, you two are very good at it. Well, thank you. It, it comes with experience. That's that's all I can say. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just all the years of experience that you draw on. So, I mean, it's it's no secret that uh, referees, umpires, officials are are they're they're going by the wayside. Um, does that play into how mu- how much longer you want to do it? Uh, not really. Uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I'm a clinician uh, with the. IHSA for for baseball so at our baseball clinics I look around and uh, there's no young umpires the average age is probably 50 Um, I've had conversation uh, with the central state coach I'm not going to say his name but he asked me he says what happens when you and Bob Engel and Mike Wiley and and he named off five or six what happens when they retire us I don't know. And so there's nothing in the pipeline. And he says, well, that's what scares me. Yeah. And and there's 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 nothing there. I mean, kid, kids don't want to do it. Who's doing JV games? I mean, that's eventually mm-hmm. that's going to be the that's going to be the first that gets cut. Well, exactly. Um, I I don't know who's doing the JV games. I, I I really don't. And we already have seen, you know, from 2020, you miss a season, and it sets baseball back in the area for a little while i mean the development the growth of kids they need games they need oh, yeah. they, they need the experience games. and not only do kids need it but coaches need it and umpires need it yeah exactly uh i don't i don't know what the answer is dp uh i i do know they're they're losing they're, they're bleeding officials in football and basketball uh, baseball uh you know the, it's not as bad but you know the one thing about baseball, though, is it's difficult for some people to get off work to do a 4:30 game. Yeah, and that, that's one of the that's one of the roadblocks. And more and more baseball. fields have lights, but also, I mean, it's a time thing. I mean, exactly. You know, <laughs> yeah, and, and and you know, we we don't do it for the money because we don't make a lot of money doing this. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's for the love of the game. It's for the kids. They're, they're, they're good kids out there. I mean, you gotta if, if it's not if you don't have an umpire out there, it's just practice, you know. And, and the kids the kids need the competition. So what what's going to happen? What I mean, <laughs> you, you said there's not a solution. If there was, we would both be rich if we knew the answer. Exactly. But, um, I mean, <laughs> what do you see? What do you think can happen? Oh, I I don't know. Uh, yeah, I've talked to a couple of young kids about it, and they go, "Nah, I don't don't want to do that." Let, let, the let's, draw, what's the draw realistically? Let, let, let's face it. Uh, I think the problem, especially in football and basketball, and I see it all the time in basketball, are the parents. Yeah. Every every everybody's going to be the next Michael Jordan. Everybody's going to in baseball. Everybody's going to be the next Nolan Ryan or Willie Mays or. or I'm dating myself with those names. Everybody's going to be that. You, you can know. say Reed Devers. That's my <laughs> yeah, Reed Devers. I mean, come on. You know, the the possibility of somebody reaching those levels are infinitesimally small. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're we're not we're not perfect. We're human beings. We're not going to get every call right. We bust our butts out there trying trying to do a decent job, and you've got. People in the stands think they know the rules. Think they know. Think they know their job. You know, I told I told one parent one time. I said, "I'll give you the same rule test that I take, and I bet you a thousand dollars you can't beat my score." Yeah. And I've yet to be taken up on it. 
But uh, aren't By the you, way, it's a 300-question <laughs> test, and I got 290. Oh, my so. gosh, yeah. No way. But aren't you getting paid extra by SHG because, you know, they can afford it, and that's why, oh, yeah, sure. that's why they beat everybody. Yeah, okay, yeah. Now, let's end it on a, let's end it on a more positive sure. note. Sure. Um, the rewards that you get from it, what what do you still enjoy about doing it, and why is it still fun for you? Oh, it's, it's a camaraderie out there. I, I mean, uh, you know, like, like last night, you, you know both coaches, you know both teams. You go out there, try to have a good, a good time. Uh, we've got, uh, I think we've got, I think we've got the SHG Springfield high game. I think we'll, I've got to check the schedule. But anyway, you know, the thing, you know, you know Nick Namavage, you know Jim Steinman, go out there, play, have fun. I mean, it's it's camaraderie. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Plus, you go out there knowing that, that you did, you go out there and you did a decent job for those kids and you got the game in and you're on to the next game. Um, I appreciate your time. I think it's good to talk to umpires and officials and I've been trying to do that lately just because, I mean, for baseball, you don't really see your face. You just see people yell at you the whole time. It's like, you know, I, I think it would help. I think it helps when you kind of get to know the people and understand that, I mean, people should realize this, but I mean, you're not out there to screw either team. You're no. there. <laughs> like we talked about, to help these kids because otherwise there's not games. If, exactly. If there's no and, 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 you know, like I said, it, it continues to be fun for me. You know, as long as it's fun, it's not a job. Okay? Once it becomes a job, then... then you're think, not getting paid uh, enough. Uh, no, <laughs> don't know I'm going to do this anymore. But, yeah. Last night was special, though. It uh, It's just a shame that the weather conditions, you know, weren't really yeah. conducive to what we what we should have for baseball. All right, Paulie, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Anytime, DP. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Paul for taking the time to talk. That's it for this week's episode with one quick note on Lincoln College closing their doors next month. That's a very sad day for a 150-some-year university. We got to see a lot of our local athletes play at the collegiate level there, and Lincoln College used to be a big-time sponsor of Channel 1450. Also, that means no college athletics moving forward in Lincoln with Lincoln Christian announcing that they will also no longer have varsity athletics. It's a sad situation. Wish nothing but the best for those college athletes and coaches moving forward. That's it for this week. Thanks to Northwestern Mutual for being the sponsor. Thank you for listening. Remember to cheer for those Jayhawks this weekend. Rock Chalk, I'll see you next week.